Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I've heard from lots of you. You've been waiting for this. It's November. The day has finally come. We are back today for our annual Purdue basketball preview episode. It's November 3rd as I record this here tonight, the day prior to Purdue's exhibition game in Mackey Arena versus the University of Indianapolis. Excitement is as high as I can ever remember coming into a season of Boilermaker basketball. Purdue ranked number seven in the preseason AP poll. Virtually everyone remains from last year's team that finished fourth in the Big Ten Conference. Today on the show, we will go into a deep, deep dive into this year's team and we will get you all set for what should be a really fun season of Purdue basketball. Last year, Purdue came into the season as a bit of an unknown. You know, two seasons ago, 1920, Purdue was a little disappointing. 500 team that could just never get things figured out and get things consistent from game to game. Uh, they would have missed out on the NCAA tournament had it not been canceled. Last year, a lot of unknowns, and Purdue had a strong year. few bumps early on. It wasn't always smooth. Uh, they got ran off the floor by Clemson. They lost a bad game to Miami. Uh, but it was a solid year. 18-10, 13-6 in Big Ten play. That was good enough to finish fourth. Uh, and, you know, that was with their easiest Big Ten game of the season, the home date against Nebraska. Uh, being completely canceled. Uh, they ended up losing in the first round of the Big Ten tournament to Ohio State in overtime and then lost another overtime battle a week later to North Texas. The de early departure from the NCAA tournament uh, certainly had fans upset, but you know that's not completely gone away. There's still frustration there, um, but, you know, Optimism is here, and certainly you can feel the enthusiasm inside the Purdue fan base coming into this year, and why not? You only lose two players from last year's team. Uh, that would be Aaron Wheeler transferring out to St. John's and Emmanuel Duwana transferring out to Tennessee State. Now, neither of those were all that surprising. Uh, I know... Back in April or May, whenever those officially happened, uh, we talked about those here on the show. You know, for Wheeler, it's a chance to kind of go home, uh, play in front, you know, back in the area of the country he's from up in the Northeast, uh, and hopefully, you know, have a chance to start. I think I saw he started their scrimmage last week. And for Duwana, you know, it's a fresh start. Uh, things never really clicked at Purdue. Uh, he never had playing time and certainly did not have a path to playing time after the revelation that was Zach Eady's freshman season. Uh, and with Caleb First coming in as well, nothing clear for Duwana to see minutes at the five. Instead, he transfers down to Nashville. Best of luck to him at Tennessee State. Purdue brings in three freshmen this year. Caleb First, Indiana Mr. Basketball from Fort Wayne Blackhawk Christian Academy, a state champion this past year. Trey Kaufman-Wren, 
the runner-up in Mr. Basketball, I believe, from Silver Creek High School down in southern Indiana, a state champion in 3A, and Brian Waddell, a Purdue legacy commitment. Uh, his dad, Matt Waddell, the starting point guard on the 1994 Elite Eight team. Uh, Waddell comes in from Carmel High School, where he was the 4A state champion last year. Now, clearly expectations are different for all these guys. You know, first and Kaufman Wren uh, will be seeing minutes early on in the season. Waddell will redshirt this year. Uh, first and Kaufman, uh, you know, will get the first cracks at that starting four position, and we will see what they can do throughout the year. We'll talk plenty more about them throughout the show. You've got some seniors on this team, three of them, uh, Travion Williams, Eric Hunter Jr., and Sasha Stefanovic. Uh, those guys have seen a little bit of everything at this point. They have experienced a Big Ten championship and an Elite Eight run where you know they were a second away from the Final Four. They have experienced an underwhelming season where they would have missed the tournament. And they experienced a year where they were the core leaders on the team last year where they didn't get it done in March despite having a very good regular season. Those guys have seen a lot. They've played a lot of basketball. Those are your anchors that you build this team on. You have one junior on the roster, Isaiah Thompson, uh, the sharp shooting point guard out of Zionsville. Had a pretty solid first two seasons, although last year may not have been his best basketball. Uh, was a little bit uncomfortable running the point at times, but he's a knockdown three-point shooter. We saw him have a big game over at Rutgers last year. Uh, he's going to have every chance to get on the floor this year and prove himself as a quality option. The sophomores are deep. Brandon Newman, Mason Gillis, Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, Ethan Morton. Uh, these are five players, all of whom could have a big impact on this year's team. Uh, you look at Gillis, Ivey, uh, two returning starters from last year, although Gillis will miss the first four regular season games of the year uh, due to a suspension. He was cited for an OWI this offseason, and that will be his punishment. He sat out the secret scrimmage against Providence and will sit out the exhibition game against UND as well. Um, the rest of these guys, though, Newman started a number of games last year. Ivy did late in the season. Zach Eady, uh, one of the bigger diamonds in the rough you found in college basketball last year. And then Ethan Morton had a really tough freshman year, uh, certainly getting mono three weeks before the season started isn't ideal. Uh, I've never been through mono, but it sounds miserable. Um, I can't imagine that that did any favors as he was making the jump to Big Ten basketball. We'll see what he can do this year with quite a bit more experience under his belt. And of course, you have the walk-ons, Jared Wolbrin, Carson Barrett, Matt Frost, Chase Martin. Those guys round out your roster and already some love coming in for Purdue's players with Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams making the preseason All-Big Ten team. Depending on where you look, you know, there are a million different 
preseason All-American teams, uh, preseason, you know, all Big Ten teams from various media outlets. I just go by the media poll there. Um, lots of love for Ivy Williams and a good amount of love for Zach Eady as well. Uh, those guys were all named in the top 30 of CBS's uh, top 100 players in college basketball. That's who the roster has. We will talk again in more detail about all of those players, kind of highlight what we're what I'm looking for, what some potential realistic expectations are. Uh, but who does Purdue play this year? The schedule is always a point of conversation and there were more mid-major games this year than I seem to remember in years past. Now, I know part of that has to do with games that were already contractually obligated to be played in 2020 uh, when the non-conference portion of the season was significantly altered. You saw Purdue play almost exclusively teams that could bust to Mackey Arena rather than fly. Uh, so, you have some non-conference games here. Against mid-major programs, you have Bellarmine, Indiana State, Wright State, Omaha, Incarnate Word, and Nichols all on the schedule. Uh, you know, those, what is that, six uh, mid-major games that seems to be more than maybe I remember. Could be remembering wrong, too. Um, you know, a few familiar names on here. Indiana State. Gave Purdue a pretty decent game last year. If you'll remember, uh, that was the game when Aaron Wheeler and Travion Williams were moved out of the starting lineup. Aaron Wheeler turned out to be moved out for good. Williams had 30 off the bench in that game. Uh, but, you know, the Sycamores fired head coach Greg Lansing, lost almost their whole roster to transfer, it seemed like. Won't be the same Sycamore team that you see next Friday. Uh, and then Incarnate Word, certainly a team that should be familiar to Purdue fans. They are coached by former Boilermaker Carson Cunningham, and an assistant coach on that staff is Ryan Smith, uh, a 2012 Purdue grad from the uh, latter years of the Baby Boilers. A little bit of familiarity there. Um, you have some Northern Indiana ties with some of those. Um, especially at Incarnate Word, Cunningham recruits the area well. Uh, Drew Lutz from Penn High School, Charlie Yoder from Westview. You know, I've seen those guys play in high school. Uh, it'll be cool to see them, you know, going down to Texas, getting the chance to play in front of some friends and family back in Indiana. There are big non-conference games, though. Don't get me wrong there. The tournament Purdue plays in at Mohegan Sun, uh, the weekend of November 20th. I honestly don't know what that tournament's called. I don't really care. It's at Mohegan Sun. Uh, they play North Carolina on Saturday, and then Purdue will either play Tennessee or Villanova on Sunday. This is maybe the best preseason tournament, or I guess, you know, multi-team event, non-conference tournament, whatever you want to phrase it as, this might be the best one in college basketball this year. Purdue and Villanova, both preseason top 10. Uh, North Carolina and Tennessee, both in the top 20, I believe. Um, Purdue's got two quality games here. No matter what, they're going to be tested in both these games. Um, you know, I don't, 
certainly don't expect Purdue to win both. That's a big ask at this point, but heck, it's a big ask for all these teams. Someone has to do it. Purdue gets a a pretty good matchup in the Big Ten ACC Challenge this year when Florida State comes to Mackey Arena. I know a number of fans were clamoring for Duke. We want Duke. When the announcements were coming out, uh, that's not the case. They don't get to play spoiler in Mike Krzyzewski's final season. Instead, they get a Florida State program they're rather familiar with. Purdue has played them in 2018 in the Big Ten ACC Challenge down there. A game Purdue lost by one, I believe. One or two. It was a close game. And then 2019 uh, in the championship game of that tournament down in Florida. I remember Purdue beat VCU in the first game, lost to Florida State in overtime in the second Um, so a familiar opponent, a program that style gives Purdue challenges. They're big, they're athletic. They have ball handlers all over the floor. That'll be a good challenge for Purdue. They get another ACC team. They play NC state on December 12th up in Brooklyn. Uh, that'll be a good game for Purdue to play against Kevin Keats and that program. And then the final time we make our way down to Indianapolis to see the Crossroads Classic, a spectacle of folks wearing Notre Dame sweatshirts along with candy stripe pants. Uh, The final time, Indiana and Notre Dame are withdrawing from the event at the end of this season. There has been plenty of discussion about that out in the media across our great state. Uh, But interesting game. You know, Purdue gets Butler. Butler's in an interesting spot. Uh, Laval Jordan has not lived up to uh, his predecessors, to say the least. It hasn't been pretty there. Uh, They've struggled a bit under him. We'll see what the Bulldogs have this year. And if Purdue can end that tournament, you know, with a second straight win, it would be a much higher note than how Purdue came into the Crossroads Classic. And then, of course, Big Ten play is Big Ten play. You know, you get the other top two teams in the league, Michigan and Illinois. You play both of them twice. When they play at Mackey, those are back-to-back games. Uh, That's a big week on campus for sure. The teams you only play at home, Maryland, Nebraska, Ohio State. Um, Probably a good thing on Ohio State and Maryland. You know, they're going to be solid Don't think you would be scared of going to Lincoln if you needed to to play the Huskers a second time, but you get them once. And then the one-time teams that Purdue plays on the road, Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State. Uh, You know, if you listen to the football episode this week, you heard us talk a brief bit about how Michigan State hasn't won at Mackey since 2014. That'll live on, uh, Purdue going up there. Minnesota and Penn State, you probably would like to play them twice. Those are supposed to be two of the lesser teams in the league. And we will have a Big Ten breakdown later in this episode after uh, we are joined by a special guest. But, you know, kind of looking out a wide view of this year's team before before we welcome in our guest, um, some reasons for optimism, you know. You don't have to look too far on this year's team. You know, you look at that number seven by Purdue's name, you should be excited. 
Um, that's not something we've seen in a while for Purdue. Uh, not that Purdue has come into seasons with low expectations. That's not what I'm saying at all. But, you know, you're getting preseason talk of being the Big Ten champs, of being a Final Four contender. Uh, that The Final Four, something that Purdue has longed for for so long, um, 41 years since Purdue has made it. And there's a ton of reason to be excited. Number one, you have the best duo of centers in America. Um, Probably something you could have said as well in past seasons, but this year there's no doubt. Travion Williams is a legitimate All-American contender. He was fantastic last year. Uh, Zach Eady has all the potential in the world. You know, he's 7'4". You don't find that anywhere else. He's skilled. Um, His emergence last year was truly incredible. And the way he got better throughout the year. You know, we had that early season run where he was really good. And then he faded off for a bit at the start of Big Ten. He reared his head back well. I remember he was unstoppable in that game at Mackey against Wisconsin late in the year. Um you know, the combination of Williams and Edie is rare. And for Purdue to have that, certainly a reason to feel great about this team. You have Jaden Ivey, a player who Purdue has, I don't want to say never, but almost never seen before. A truly uber-athletic guard who has playmaking potential left and right. Um, expectations are through the roof for him. He had an unreal finish to last year, uh, had 25 or so in the NCAA tournament game, had a big game against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. He's going to be really good, and you already hear the talk of NBA scouts looking at him as a potential lottery pick. Um, He certainly has the ability to get to the rim that they like. Would like to see him improve from outside shooting perspective, but Jaden Ivey is certainly a reason to be excited because he's electrifying. He can change the game in one play. And I really, really don't know that Purdue fans have ever gotten to watch a player like him in gold and black. You have a lot of pieces uh, at the guard spot that could really make this season um, truly special. You know, you have Eric Hunter Jr. and Sasha Stefanovic, guys who have proven that they can do it before. Eric Hunter Jr. had a bit of a disappointing year last year. Stefanovic was very strong before he got COVID midseason and had to deal with that. So you have them. You have Brandon Newman. Uh, up and down, bit of a roller coaster of a freshman year, but you have him back. You have Isaiah Thompson, as we said. He can shoot the thing. All four of those guys have the ability to shoot the ball from outside. That's what makes you excited. You have the big guys. You have Jaden Ivey who can put the ball on the floor, and then you surround them with shooters. That could get really, really fun for Purdue this year. And Ethan Morton, don't count him out. I know there are a lot of of people forgetting about Morton because he didn't play all the time last year. There were games he didn't get in. When he did get in, he was kind of quiet. He's going to get better. Matt Painter really liked him when they recruited him, and Matt Painter isn't wrong on players a whole lot. It's just something you notice over time. 
I would really think that Ethan Morton has a chance to get some serious playing time and to make some make a significant impact on this year's team. At the four spot, you have three legitimate options. Mason Gillis was very good last year as a redshirt freshman. Certainly unfortunate uh, the situation he got himself into over the summer. Um, he'll miss the first four games. So what does that mean? Caleb First and Trey Kaufman-Wren have serious opportunities now to take over that position. You know, Matt Painter's not going to give the starting spot at the four right back to Mason Gillis once he's back. Uh, he's going to have to earn that. If Caleb First or Trey Kaufman-Wren, I think First will get the first crack at it, pun intended, but I do think First will be the starter in the season opener at the four. If he struggles, we could see Kaufman-Wren uh, and Gillis comes back and you have three legitimate options there and that contributes to the depth of this team. Once everyone is back and assuming everyone is healthy, Purdue will have 11 players that Matt Painter is comfortable putting into the game. That's a double-edged sword, but it's a blessing to have. If something happens, should there be an injury, uh, should there be anything unforeseen, a suspension, you know, whatever, Purdue has depth to overcome quite a bit this year. That is certainly a reason for optimism. Now, there are reasons for concern, and if you've been around Purdue sports long enough, you know that there are plenty of ways things can go wrong, and we've seen a lot unfold. Number one, you know, last Saturday, Purdue played in a secret closed-off scrimmage against Providence. Uh, the Friars won 89-88 in overtime. It's hard to glean a lot from these, but from seeing the stat sheet that was made public on Twitter and from hearing Matt Painter's comments both um, in media availability that's been posted online and on his radio show on Monday, um, quite a few things that he didn't love. Eight turnovers for Jaden Ivey in that, seven of which came in the second half. You really can't have that, um, you know, turning the ball over in general. I think Purdue had 15 or 16 turnovers. That's a problem. That's too many. You need to cut that back. The defense struggled quite a bit, and that's an area where, you know, I think there was concern to begin with. You have guys who are capable of being very good defenders, but maybe aren't there yet. Um, they give up a high three-point percentage. That comes from being weak against dribble penetration. Your centers have to come help out there, and then you find open guys on the outside to shoot. And I had a question from Twitter. I've got so many questions coming later, thanks to you guys who sent them in. But I had a question, you know, am I concerned about the defense? Yeah. I mean, this is a similar issue to what Purdue dealt with last year when they lost to Ohio State and North Texas. Teams penetrate. They require Purdue's wings to come in and help. That leaves open shooters on the outside. Purdue has to get better in one-on-one on-ball defense uh, and trust that your centers are going to be there to help out. You know, Zach Eady's a tremendous shot-blocking big man. Travion Williams, not so much. But, you know, yeah, the defense is definitely a concern. And 
Matt Painter keeps referencing. I don't know if you watch these or if you listen to the radio show, but it's subtle. But he keeps mentioning how much time his guys put into their offensive game over the summer. And he mentions that when he's asked about the defense. So you can tell maybe Matt Painter isn't thrilled with where his defense is right now. Um, It's a long season. You know, he did mention too that your defense is never its best on day one, and it shouldn't be. uh, That's for sure. But it will be worth monitoring to see how that defense looks early and how they improve. Uh, In that game, you know, it sounded like leadership was challenged a little bit for Matt Painter, and we have a good question about that coming up. But Isaiah Thompson and Zach Eady started in place of Eric Hunter Jr. and Travion Williams. That, to me, maybe that was a challenge for the leadership on this team. I don't know. Um, Matt Painter didn't glean much into that, but that's what I'm going to guess from there is that maybe that was a challenge to some of these teams' senior leaders to be better. Now, in fairness, this game means nothing. It's not an official win or loss. It doesn't count. Uh, Providence played their starters nearly the entire game. Purdue played everyone at least 15 minutes, I think. So that's not the same rotation you'll see in a regular game. Providence's center had nine fouls in this game. Um, Last I checked, you're still only allowed five in a real game. So clearly playing with some different rules in this game. But a loss can be beneficial. You know, you hopefully light a fire under the guys. You want them to be fired up and understand that You know, just because the preseason hype is there doesn't mean that's reality. It's all projections. So, some more concerns. You know, as we talk about the depth, that's a double-edged sword, as I mentioned. Purdue has 11 guys that you're capable of putting out there. Where do you watch for cuts there? You know, the two areas, Isaiah Thompson versus Ethan Morton as the fifth guard that Purdue plays because... I don't anticipate Purdue playing six guards. So who gets that fifth guard spot? That guy will be coming in to play minutes in place of Eric Hunter Jr. mostly. Uh, The two off-ball guards at the two and the three, you know, Purdue plays a three-guard system. Um, That's going to be Jaden Ivey and Sasha Stefanovic are going to start there, I think. And then Brandon Newman will come off the bench for both those guys. Those three guys will handle the bulk of the minutes there. It's who's going to come off the bench for Eric Hunter Jr. between Thompson and Morton as that fifth guard. That's one spot to watch. And then the four. You know, when Gillis returns from suspension, who gets the minutes at the four? Because you can't play three guys there. You're really going to play two. And it sounds preposterous to think that Caleb First or Trey Kaufman-Wren as top 100 recruits as the top two players in the state of Indiana last year may come in and very rarely see the court. That could be reality. It also is plausible that Mason Gillis comes back and doesn't see the floor a whole lot. You know, that sounds crazy too. He was a starter on a good team last year. Um, You know, that's something Purdue has to figure out. I don't like all the talk over the summer of Travion Williams and Zach Eady playing together. Now, 
I ultimately don't think we'll see it in games. That is a defensive nightmare logistically. We've seen no reason to think that Williams can guard the four. And, you know, on offense, it just shrinks the court a little bit. When you're playing a high-low in the post, that gets tough too. I don't I don't like hearing that. I don't think we'll see it much. Travion Williams has to avoid a slow start like he had last year, though. That was really why he was benched in that Indiana State game. Uh, he was off to a slow start. And, you know, an abnormal offseason was difficult on a lot of guys. Travion Williams clearly was one of those. Uh, getting back into game shape was tough on him. Now, you know, there's no excuse there. He's had a normal offseason. Uh, he's been in West Lafayette all year. It's time for him to really get off to the start he needs to as a preseason All-American candidate. The three-point shooting, you know, shot 33% last year, below 31% in conference play. There are very good shooters on this team. They're going to have to be more consistent. Now, Stefanovic is tough to include there because his percentage really took a hit in the first three or four games he was back from COVID. I don't think he made a shot. Um, but Brandon Newman needs to be more consistent. Isaiah Thompson is going to be low volume. He probably always will be, but he needs to be knocking down shots at a 40% clip. Eric Hunter Jr. was below 30% from three last year. That needs to be better. And then what can you get out of the guys uh, at the four spot? And I guess two with guards, Jaden Ivey needs to pick his spots carefully. Um, he is elite at getting to the basket. Last year, he had a tendency to settle for jump shots a little too much. That's going to be a very, very important thing to watch is the number of threes he's taking. And then with the four spot, you know, if you can get three-pointers knocked down from Caleb First, Trey Kaufman-Ran, or Mason Gillis, any combo of that is welcomed because... If you can play with your big guy and play a four out with four capable three-point shooters around him, your offense is lethal. And that's what Purdue's going to be trying to do this year. You'd like to see free throw shooting uh, be strong. That wasn't a problem at all for Purdue last year until the end of that North Texas game. I know they missed the front end of one-and-ones. I believe Stefanovic... Thompson and Williams all missed the front end of one and ones late. That's a killer. You know, that is handing two points to the other team. Um, you can't have that. So not that it was a big problem last year, but you got to maximize every opportunity. And then finally, dealing with expectations is maybe your biggest storyline coming into this season. Purdue hasn't been ranked this high in the preseason since 2009. Um, you ha you've seen all the hype for Williams, for Ivy, for Edie. Those guys have to deal with the expectations themselves. That's difficult to do. This team has to deal with expectations. You know, if you go up to Mohegan Sun and slip up against North Carolina, how do you respond the next day against a top 20 team? How do you respond, you know, if you're tested early on against Bellarmine, Indiana State, or Wright State. You know, maybe you don't lose those games, but if one of them's closer than you expect, how do you respond? That's going to be really key for this team, is their mentality throughout this year 
and how they grow. Now, we have a guest today who is very, very familiar with dealing with high expectations as he was a part of a team that had to do it. Um, we're going to play an interview here with the voice of Purdue basketball, Bobby Buckets Riddell. And then after that, we will talk about uh, the Big Ten, make some predictions, and then answer your questions. Thank you so much to Bobby Buckets Riddell, the color commentator for the Purdue Basketball Radio Network, is joining us today on Boilers and Beyond to help us preview the 2021-22 basketball season. Bobby, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Looking forward to chatting about some Boilers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, last year was your first year with the Purdue Radio Network. Talk a little bit about that experience with it being in the middle of an abnormal season and, you know, stepping in for the legendary Larry Clisby. All of your first year experience. What was that like? It was a lot of fun, but it was definitely an interesting experience. Obviously, I didn't have any frame of reference to lean on from, from like a prior non-COVID, you know, season, but it was a dream of mine to to be a part of the broadcast team, being a lifelong Purdue fan, a guy that was fortunate enough to play. It was just super cool to be a part of the the broadcast team with a guy like Rob Blackman, who uh, was in the color analyst role that I moved into when I was a player. So I had a nice pre-existing relationship with him, which was really fun to collaborate with him then in, um, on the team. Wes Scott, our engineer, was also around when I played, so I had a good relationship with him. And, and obviously it was a privilege stepping in for Larry. You know, Rob essentially uh, moved into his play-by-play role, and I slid into the color analyst role. But just being, you know, on the broadcast team in place of Larry was very cool. Just Larry meant so much to the Purdue radio team and the Purdue team, you know, Purdue family in general. You know, Coach Payne, Elliot Bloom, and all those guys were so close to Larry. So that was an honor, and uh, I hope, you know, we did Larry proud last year. Absolutely. I, I'm sure you did. And I'm sure you're looking forward this year instead of sitting up in the concourse of Mackey Arena to get back down, you know, on the court side and be there with a full Mackey Arena ready to go. Really looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I got butterflies just thinking about, you know, Thursday, even though it's just an exhibition game, I'm sure there'll be a pretty decent turnout uh, in Mackey Arena. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting sitting at that concourse level, probably from a true like radio standpoint, as far as seeing the game, it probably helps as far as having that little bird's eye view. Uh, I can see the floor really well, everything that takes place. Whereas courtside, remembering back from my sitting on the bench days, uh, so, you know, sometimes the, the point of view isn't as clear as it would be from like a bird's eye view that we had at the concourse. So I'm sure Coach Payne will be walking in front of me yelling, you know, move and things of that nature. <laughs> so... Move, move, to, move. Uh, yeah. So I'll be dipping and, and ducking and dodging, trying to, to look around him to see, you know, Sasha drill a three ball or something. But that's going to be really cool, sitting courtside. And then, uh, yeah, obviously having fans back, it's going to be a neat atmosphere. Yeah, and I saw just a little bit ago, uh, Foreman tweeted out that the UND game is sold out now. So, um, wow. I exhibition. guess there will be plenty of fans. <laughs> Exhibition games are selling out, and this team, uh, you know, preseason number seven. And I know your senior year, you know, Purdue came in kind of a similar spot to this team. Now, you weren't ranked as high coming in at 17 in the AP poll, but you had 
Some freshmen really emerged the year prior with the baby boilers coming in. Uh, you know, I know finished a game off the lead in the Big Ten or so. I had the big win at Wisconsin. Talk a little bit about dealing with those preseason expectations after you hadn't really had them the year prior. Yeah, that was that was definitely a different situation for us. The year before, we had kind of had a nice surprising year with Kramer and Keaton Grant. Or I guess two years before that, we had had a nice surprising year with Keaton and Kramer coming in as freshmen and Carl and David sending us off as seniors. So then we went into that year with the baby boilers. And yeah, no one was expecting much from us at all, obviously, with Carl and David graduating. It didn't look great. Granted, we had a really nice recruiting class coming in. And I remember when those guys came on campus that summer, it was just like eye-opening how talented they were. And I was like, we're going to be in pretty good shape. You know, we don't have Carl and David, but Etuan, uh, Robbie, Scott, and Juwan were, were really talented. And so we go into that year. We have a really nice year. Like you said, I think we finished one game off the Big Ten. We beat Wisconsin twice that year. They only ended up with two Big Ten losses, ours. And then, unfortunately, no one else knocked them off. I remember – Brian Butch banked in a three at Assembly Hall, and it was like the one time I was ever rooting for Indiana to win a game because <laughs> um, it would have helped us get a Big Ten championship, a co-share. So we have a, a really amazing season. The Big Ten was probably a little down that year, and, and we certainly performed well. But then, yeah, going to that next season, a lot of people had high hopes for us. Uh, you know, we had a tough, law, tough luck loss to Xavier in the second round that year after a really impressive first round win over Baylor. And so – bringing back our entire starting five, only losing Terrence Crump to graduation, one of our backup point guards. Everybody thought sky's the limit for us, and we ended up having a couple bumps in the road. Robbie got banged up. His back got banged up a little bit that year. But we still ended up having, I think, a third or fourth place finish in the Big Ten and then ended up winning the Big Ten tournament, the, the sole Big Ten tournament championship Purdue's had. Uh, so that was a neat experience for me in my senior year to get that. And then – had a pretty solid run in the tournament, got to the Sweet 16, just ran into a really good UConn team that ended up going to the Final Four. But, you know, we were definitely excited about having those expectations. Obviously, it's it's a different experience. You kind of have to deal with it. But I think anybody who's on a really talented team wants to be thought of as, as a team that can go far. Absolutely. And I think, you know, everyone knows this team's certainly capable of it and, you know, it's an honor to have those expectations, certainly. As we get in, you know, Thursday, uh, this podcast will drop Thursday morning before the UND game. And, you know, going into those three non-conference games before Purdue hits Mohegan Sun for that tournament with UNC, Tennessee, and Villanova, what are some of the things that you're kind of going to be looking for early on in the year with this team as they progress and mature? Sure. I think certainly some of the things I'm looking for are just going to see how Coach Paint handles all this depth that he has. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, in a lot of these games early, if things go according to plan, Purdue should win um, impressively. And so that will allow Coach to probably dip into the depth a little further and maybe give some guys extended minutes that he might not against North Carolina. That you know, North, the North Carolina game is really assuming that the first couple of games go heavily in Purdue's favor, which hopefully they will. The UNC game is going to be the real test to see how Coach, I guess the next game technically when Mason gets back will be the real test to see how Coach handles 11 guys who can play. But I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what Coach does from a minute distribution standpoint. Um, you know, obviously it looks, you know, Zach Eady started the – uh, scrimmage against Providence 
And from everything I've seen and heard, you know, Zach has been really dominant in preseason practice. And so maybe Zach has earned that starting job. Coach does always preach that the guys who play the best in practice are going to, you know, play in the games the most. And, and then certainly he's going to have the depth to where if a guy is having an off game, he can go with the guy behind him and, and hopefully that guy's playing better that night. So, and then the other thing is just based on the scrimmage, they, they really played pretty poorly defensively, it looks like. And, and Providence sounds like a solid team, but Providence certainly wasn't coming into the season as highly ranked as Purdue. And so if Purdue's going to give up 89 points, granted in overtime, that's definitely concerning that this team defensively, which I was hoping potentially that could be a real strength for them this year, uh, certainly didn't start off great. Absolutely. I think – you know, the scrimmage is always relative. Uh, you know, the box score was interesting. I saw nine fouls for Providence's big man in there. So, you know, it's all relative, but I completely agree with some of those defensive lapses. All in all, what's, what's one thing you're most excited for for Purdue this year? I think I'm most excited just to see Jaden Ivey with the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, he was just such an exciting player for me to watch last year. Uh, you know, guards who have explosive athletic ability, who also have a great handle and have some shooting ability, which Jaden showed at times last year. You know, those guys don't come around Purdue very often. And, and he's a guy who's you know, along with some pretty good size at six, four and long arms. He just has a lot of characteristics that you like in a guard. And, and obviously he's got a lot of preseason pub as well this year. And, I'm just excited, you know, granted, he didn't have the greatest game, it sounds like, from a, you know, he had nine assists, which is, you know, to have nine assists and eight turnovers in the scrimmage against Providence, he obviously, that's 17 acts of uh, good or bad, and so he had the ball in his hands clearly a lot, and so I think it it shows that Coach Painter, towards the end of last season and, and on to the preseason this year, trusts him uh, to have the ball in his hands a lot to create plays for himself or others, and I'm excited to see that happen a lot this year because he's just a, a, such, such a talent. So much talent on this roster. And, I, you know, Purdue hasn't had a player like Ivy in my lifetime that I can remember. I don't know that they've had a player like Zach Eady that's that big and that dominant. If there's a concern for you with this team coming into the season, where would that lie? Well, before the scrimmage, I – my one concern, you know, post scrimmage, my concern is the another one of my concerns is the defense certainly and, and how effective we can be. But putting that aside, pre scrimmage, my my biggest concern was just when we face elite competition, which hopefully we're going to face later this year and then you know deep into March. You know, how do we handle from an offensive standpoint? Do we have a second guy besides Jaden who can make a play off the bounce for himself or others? Just because. It's not always easy to go into the post late in games. Teams can, can schematically at times try to do things to take away the post. Obviously, the teams can try to do things to get the ball out of Jaden's hands. So there will be times that someone else on the perimeter is going to have to make a play. And I think Eric Hunter is potentially that guy who can step up and do that. He's an experienced guy. He's got a really talented mid-range jumper um, that I always have a lot. You know, every time he shoots a mid-range jumper, I think it's going in. But does he have enough shake and bake off the bounce? to, you know, against high-level competition, you know, be able to get a quality shot for himself or create something for, for others. And so, you know, I just worry about in March, you know, typically guards win in March. We saw that with Baylor last year. Does Purdue have enough quality guard play uh, to get it done against high-level competition? Uh, 
Expectations are high. Purdue picked second in the Big Ten preseason. I know they were tied with Michigan in the votes, but Michigan got another first place vote. But coming in seventh, you know, this on paper is one of Matt Painter's best chances to get to a final four. What are realistic expectations? I mean, is it a is it a final four appearance? Is that too high? Is that about right? You know, what are you thinking coming into this season? Well, from an expect, expectation standpoint, I think the team is certainly going to have aspirations of winning the Big Ten regular season, winning the Big Ten tournament, and then going to a Final Four. I just think based on everything they have coming back, all the talent they have, the stars are aligning for those sorts of accomplishments to happen. You know, if those all, all those things don't happen, does that mean it wasn't a successful season? No, I don't think so. Unfortunately, a lot of college basketball on how successful you are is determined based on what you do in the, in the month of March. Uh, but, you know, obviously if this team finishes third in the Big Ten, gets to the Big Ten tournament championship game and loses, and then gets to the Sweet 16 and loses, I still think that's a really successful season. Uh, will that be what Purdue fans are happy with? Probably not. But, um, you know, I think this team has all the potential to, to do all those great things that I mentioned at the beginning. So we'll see, and hopefully we stay healthy and the team gets a real shot. Purdue has been lucky with injuries the last few years. Besides that, Isaac Haas elbow in the NCAA tournament. I'll knock on wood and hope we don't deal with that this year. Bobby, thanks so much for joining us today. I'll let you get out the door, and I can't wait to listen along to you and Rob uh, as we go through another winter of Purdue basketball. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Can't wait to see how the Boilers do this season. should be fun. All right. Thank you again to Bobby for joining the show. Always a good time talking with him. Uh, you can always catch him and Rob Blackman on the radio, uh, 96.5 WAZY for every game. You know, now looking a little bit at the Big Ten. You know, it's an interesting dynamic here in the Big Ten because last year was dominant during the regular season and the NCAA tournament was a nightmare. Coming into the year this year, you know, Purdue and Michigan are kind of co-favorites here. Michigan gets Hunter Dickinson back, a um, couple of key returnees in Eli Brooks and Zeb Jackson, but they're going to be defined by their freshmen this year. A massive recruiting class coming in. I believe they were number two nationally, maybe. Uh, you've got Caleb Houston, a very talented player who already made the preseason All-Big Ten team, I think, so... Michigan, a team to beat, as is Illinois. I thought they were going to fall off a cliff after last year, but Kofi Coburn decided to come back. So really their big loss is Io DeSunmu and then, to a lesser degree, Georgie Bashanishvili. Andre Curbelo is expected to take a massive step forward. Uh, he's their dynamic point guard. And he's got Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams back as knockdown three-point shooters. Uh, also very good defenders, both of those two. So Illini should be good again this year. They had years of struggles, so you know they're enjoying what they've got going there. But after those top three, I think it gets interesting. Um, Ohio State certainly going to be good. EJ Liddell is back, all Big Ten guy from last year. Justice Suing, Justin Arns, Kyle Young, all back. But they do have to replace their backcourt of C.J. Walker 
had too much sauce to stay in school another year, and Dwayne Washington, uh, who about single-handedly beat Purdue last year over at Value City Arena. Maryland, going to be interesting. You know, they get a couple of big grad transfers in there, Fats Russell and Cutis Wahab. They join Eric Ayala and company, but it's Mark Turgeon. Those teams tend to underachieve a little bit. Tom Izzo and the Spartans, they were down last year. They won't be doing that again this year. I can almost promise you that. Um, Star recruit Max Christie, he was a one-time Purdue recruit. He is single-handedly injecting some optimism up there. They love what they're seeing from him early. They've got grad transfer Tyson Walker running the point, and that's the key to their season. Every time Izzo has a great team, they have a great point guard. If Walker can play that role and be elite, this is going to be a team that is very, very good up in East Lansing. And if that's the case, the Spartans are going to be top four in this league, if not higher. Down south, there's a new sheriff in town in Bloomington. Mike Woodson is in. Can he get that program to where their fans expect it to be? There's some talent there. Trace Jackson Davis is back. Uh, Xavier Johnson and Miller Cop were key additions in the transfer portal. Uh, they've got Tamar Bates, a highly regarded freshman in there. Lots of questions, but you know Archie Miller is out. They seem very excited about moving on. To one of their own, Mike Woodson. You know, you've seen the pictures of him and Bobby Knight together. That's only going to raise the expectations down there. They are expecting big things, and if Mike Woodson doesn't produce quick, they will be ready to move on to a new guy. A few highlights from the rest of the league. Yes, Jordan Bohannon is still at Iowa. Outside of him and Keegan Murray, though, not much left from Iowa's uh, number two seeded team last year, Garza, gone. Um, Wieskamp, gone. CJ Frederick, gone. Uh, they lost quite a bit there. Yes, Brad Davison is still at Wisconsin, but there's quite a bit of turmoil up there. Leaked audio recordings of team meetings with assistant coaches selling out Greg Gard. I don't expect a whole lot up there. Northwestern could be all right this year, though. You know, they've got some names back. Boo Booey, Chase Audige. Feels like Pete Nance has been there forever now, but he's back. And they've got Lafayette's own Brooks Barnheiser from Lafayette Jeff. He joins the mix up there. Always going to be a soft spot in my heart for Northwestern basketball. With one of my high school's Mr. Basketball players in Indiana going there. Rutgers still got Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., Cliff Amarui. They're going to be competitive. It wouldn't shock me to see them get back to the big dance this year. I can't be the only one thinking that at this point, Fred Hoiberg and the Nebraska experience might be coming to an end soon. Uh, they're struggling, though. They did get a five-star recruit in there with Bryce McGowan's. I guess you never know. Penn State, Minnesota, new coaches in there. Obviously, Purdue Nation will be rooting for Micah Shrewsbury. Might have a difficult road ahead of him early on. Um, and then Minnesota, you know, they've got uh, almost an entirely new roster. Ben Johnson is one of their own. 
they'll give him plenty of time, but it could be a rough year for the Golden Gophers. So, knocking out a couple of Big Ten related questions here. Who's going to overperform? Who's going to underperform? So, it's hard to say this. You know, I looked at the preseason poll um, and found one of each that kind of stood out to me. Iowa was number nine. I could see them finishing lower than that. Same with Wisconsin at eight, or maybe they were 10. They were next to each other. I think Wisconsin and Iowa are both going to struggle this year. They could be first day of the Big Ten tournament types. Northwestern came in at 12. I think that is way too low. Uh, I think they have enough talent there. I think Boo Booey and Audige can put up some points on you. I think the Wildcats are going to finish in the top 10 and get out of that first day, that Wednesday round of the Big Ten tournament that's always a spectacle that no one shows up to watch. Another question related to the league, you know, who's the biggest roadblock to Purdue winning the conference? Michigan's got all the potential in the world. Um, If someone is going to run away with this league, it's probably going to be them. If those freshmen hit and click early the way we've seen some Duke teams or some John Calipari Kentucky teams do, you know, Michigan could really be dominant. If not, if Michigan has struggles with freshmen or isn't what they're hyped up to be, Illinois is going to be strong. You know what you're getting in Kofi Coburn. He's a load to handle. Curbelo, if he takes the next step forward that he's supposed to, you know, he could step into that Io DeSunmu role. And then they've got the shooters around them. So Illinois could be pretty good, but I think Michigan is the biggest roadblock to Purdue winning the conference. It's that time. My football predictions stunk. So let's hope these predictions are a little bit better. Number one, Purdue is going to have five players average double-digit scoring this year. I'm going to say Travion Williams, Zach Eady, Jaden Ivey, Sasha Stefanovic, and Eric Hunter Jr. all average double-figure scoring. Um, I think it's possible all these guys at least averaged eight last year. So you're asking Stefanovic, Hunter, Eady to step it up a little bit. I think they can. I think this is going to be an offense that really puts up some points, and I think we're going to see it in the stat sheet. Number two, Purdue has two shooters with 40% or higher three-point percentages. It's going to be Isaiah Thompson and Sasha Stefanovic. Uh, I'm very high on what those two bring to the table for Purdue. I think they're going to have big seasons um, and really provide some stability to that three-point shooting that was lacking at times last year. Number three, Caleb First is going to make the Big Ten all-freshman team. I'm very high on First. I think he's going to be a step ahead of Trey Kaufman-Wren this year. I think First is a little bit more polished and more ready uh, to play at this level. Certainly playing on the U19 team over the summer helped. I'm going to say he has a big year And I think when Mason Gillis comes back, he's going to be hard-pressed to get that starting spot out of the hands of Caleb first. Number four, more Boilermakers are on all Big Ten teams than any other program. I think Purdue has, you know, looking at this, three, four, five guys capable of being on all Big Ten teams and getting some recognition there. 
Uh, I think it's very plausible, and I think they're going to lead the pack. You know, Illinois could, Michigan could. Uh, I think Purdue, though, has enough talent that they're going to get plenty of recognition uh, during that Big Ten Network special at the start of March. And number five, Purdue wins number 25. They get the 25th Big Ten Championship. That'll come in the regular season. They're not going to get number 26 in the Big Ten Tournament, uh, but they will win the Big Ten regular season title. And I'll say they do it outright. Why not? I don't make predictions on the NCAA Tournament. Uh, That is a pretty ridiculous game to play. Um, Give me a bracket and then we'll see. So I'll make NCAA Tournament predictions in March. Now, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, the Q&A. I love doing this. We'll be doing it all year. As always, send questions my way, Twitter, at Boilers Beyond, um, and I'll answer them here on the show. We have a number of them here. Number one, with this team having as much depth as it does, who do you see losing minutes as the season progresses? You know, I'm going to say I think it's going to be tough for Ethan Morton to crack the rotation this year because of the three-point ability that Isaiah Thompson possesses and also the advanced numbers liked him as a defender better than the Twitter public did last year. I'm not saying Morton can't get on the floor, but I think beating out Isaiah Thompson is tougher than fans want to give him credit for. And then I think... Trey Kaufman-Wren might have a bit of an adjustment period to college basketball. Um, You know, he is not a post player, but he's also not a true wing player. He he is a four, but getting that outside game polished is going to be key for him. And I know Matt Painter's made some comments as well uh, about not turning the ball over. That's something that is going to be very important for Purdue's players especially role players this year. You know, you'll be able to live with turnovers from Zach Eady or Jaden Ivey, not as much from guys coming off the bench. So if someone loses minutes, I think it's going to be Morton. I think it's going to be Trey Kaufman-Wren, and that'll help whittle that rotation down to nine. How many wins does it take for this season to be a success, whether or not a trophy is won in April? It's hard because you don't always know the exact amount of games. You know, you have 31 regular season games. I think 25, I think 25 and 6 is realistic. I think 24 and 7 is another one. You know, if you're down at 23 and 8, I think then maybe you start to get a little disappointed in what you've seen. Um, I think 24 to 25 wins in the regular season is probably pretty good. Uh, Anything above that, you're certainly thrilled with. And then when you get into the Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament, you'd like to advance, you know, get to Saturday or Sunday in the Big Ten tournament. And certainly with the NCAA tournament, you know, it's it's not Final Four or bust. That's never the case, but probably as close as you're ever going to find to a Final Four or bust situation. So, Probably in the ballpark of that 30-win range is what you're looking at to really feel good about this year. Do I see a spot where Zach Eady could permanently take over Travion Williams' starting spot at the five? Oh, yeah. I can certainly see that. You know, 
Zach Eady has been praised immensely um, throughout this offseason. And yeah, I mean, if he makes the steps that he's capable of, he may have a higher upside than Travion Williams, as crazy as that is to say. Now, I don't see it happening. I think Travion Williams is going to get off to a better start than he did last year. I think he's going to anchor down that five spot and put together an all Big Ten caliber year, but I certainly think it's possible. And then talking a bit about Zach Eady with his improvement, where has that improvement came from is a question I got. And it's hard to tell. You know, I'm not at practice every day, but what I'm kind of gathering is that Edie's getting more and more comfortable with the college game, with the game as a whole. You know, he's he's new to basketball. I think he's getting more comfortable there. I think his offensive polish, he's getting better with the ball. Uh, he's getting a little more skilled with his hook shots, with his touch shots around the basket instead of just dunking it. I think there's more offensive polish there. And I think he's getting a little more coordinated on defense. Not that that's a big issue. I think he's just getting more comfortable on both sides of the ball. And when you have the frame he does and the potential he does, that's huge. I kind of already answered this one. Who's going to be more impactful between Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Caleb first? I think it's going to be first. I think he's going to have a really good year. And then Brian, one of my favorite listeners, asked, who's going to be the worst team in college basketball? Well, that's easy. Uh, Chicago State is a perennial dumpster fire. Uh, I remember Purdue beating them by about 70 a few years ago. I remember Purdue being favored by like 40 points um, in the down year 2019 and covering that uh, late in the game, so... I'm going to go with Chicago State as the worst team in the nation. Who will be the leaders on this team? Great question, and the listener is right. It does seem to be a concern with Matt Painter. Look, you want your seniors to be leaders. Eric Connor, Sasha Stefanovic, Travion Williams. I don't know. Keep in mind, I, I've, you know, I've been in school with these guys. I've met these guys. I don't know them well, and I'm not around the program regularly. I don't know that they're your most vocal types, especially Hunter and Williams. I don't know that those are your, you know, uh, big pep speech, get the team ready to go type of guys. I think they can certainly lead by example, but I think that's, you know, that's a big ask. Leading by example is easier said than done. I think Stefanovic could be a good leader on this team. I also think Jaden Ivey has that personality in him. You know, you can tell right away. He he wears his heart on his sleeve. He wants to win badly. I think some of his mindset even reminds me of Chris Kramer a bit. I think he is that aggressive and that competitive that I think Jaden Ivey could really be a leader on this team. What's the floor for this team, assuming everyone stays healthy? You know, what's the... how bad could this team be, I guess, is the way this question's asked. And I think, you know, at absolute worst, I don't think you see any improvement from last year and you see another, you know, top four, top five in the Big Ten and you lose in the NCAA tournament earlier than you want. Um, I mean, I don't think this team's going to be any worse than it was last year and it wasn't bad last year at all. But I think that's probably 
the lower end of what this team could be. What is the bigger key to a successful season? Three-point shooting or improved defense versus dribble penetration? Sorry, we're getting a little bit loose an hour into the show here. Uh, It's the latter. Um, You have to improve that defensive end because I think Purdue's going to be highly efficient on offense. That's no doubt. I think they're preseason number two in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. Where you need to tie things up is that defensive side. You know, advanced metrics only mean so much. But if you can enter the tournament top 10 in both offense and defensive efficiency on Ken Palm, you are easily a national title contender. So, you know, improving that defense, forcing teams to take bad shots. You know, when you rely on a lot of help, when you get some penetration, you just open up a lot of open three-point shots, and that's what Purdue is going to look to avoid. How many minutes per game for Brandon Newman? Last year, he played 23.6 minutes per game. You know, you'll remember he started a bit. He, at one point, got swapped out for uh, Sasha Stefanovich when Sasha came back from COVID. Jaden Ivey might have started over him a little bit. I'd have to look back at every individual lineup, but I would be surprised if Newman is playing more than 25 minutes a game this year. I don't think he'll start, um, so that kind of limits what you can do, but he will be coming off the bench for both Ivey and Stefanovic, so I think that opens itself up to push near 20 minutes per game, just depending who he's on the floor with. Um, but I'd be, I'd even be surprised if he hits 23.6, assuming that Ivy and Stefanovic stay healthy, and I think they'll both stay in the lineup. Who will be the primary point guard by the end of the season? I think it's still going to be Eric Hunter. He is very good on defense, great on ball defender, absolutely screwed out of the Big Ten all defense team last year, um, but. It depends how you define point guard. I think the ball is going to be in Jaden Ivey's hands more often than not, especially in March. So it depends how you define point guard. I mean, Eric Hunter is going to be your one guard listed on the lineup. He's going to guard the opposing team's best guard. Uh, But I do think a lot of times Jaden Ivey is going to have the ball in his hands initiating the offense. So take that how you may. This one's tough, and this is the last heavy-hitting one we've got. What player will exceed expectations, and what player will fail to meet expectations? I think expectations vary a little bit from person to person. It depends who you ask. It depends on your perspective. Um, I expect different things than some of my friends do when we talk about Purdue basketball. And I'm not going to go through and go through expectations for every player because it's not fair to them. And quite frankly, I don't know. I'm not watching practice every day. Now, you know, I expect Sasha Stefanovic to have a really good senior year. Um, I think he's going to really finish his Purdue career strong. I think he's going to hold on to that starting spot. Does that mean Brandon Newman underwhelms if he doesn't start after he started more games than not as a freshman? I guess it's up to you. I don't think so because I don't expect Brandon Newman to be a starter. But if you do, uh, 
then maybe that would mean he's underwhelming. Whoever emerges at the top option at the four, I think they would probably exceed your expectations, right? Especially if it's first, like I think it'll be. Um, If he's the starting four all year, then I think he certainly exceeds expectations. Now, if Gillis or Trey Kaufman-Wren doesn't see the floor as much, does that mean they underwhelm and fail to meet expectations? I don't know. If Jaden Ivey or Travion Williams don't make the All-Big Ten first or second team, you know, if Ivey's not one of the top few guards in the conference, is that a disappointment? It depends on your perspective. So that's a tough question to answer. I think Eric Hunter Jr. is going to bounce back strong. Um, I think he's going to have a nice senior year, as will Sasha Stefanovic. And I think maybe the expectations for Brandon Newman might be a little bit too high. I think there's still a lot of polish that he could add to his game, but I think his junior year is going to be a massive year. I think that's where he breaks through. Final question. How does Purdue replace Aaron Wheeler? I know Larry, one of our listeners, and many of them loved Aaron Wheeler. You know, he was always a positive, upbeat guy. Everyone seemed to like him. Uh, Struggled a bit at times, but I think everyone in the Purdue fan base is rooting for him at St. John's to have a good final year. And I do think Purdue could see an upgrade at the four if Caleb first delivers how I think he will. That's all we have for this year's Purdue basketball season preview episode. Thank you so much. Everyone who sent in questions, that was a blast. We're going to be here all season long talking about Purdue basketball. So grab some friends who don't listen to the show yet. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're everywhere. Follow me on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. We'll be talking Purdue hoops there all season long. Let's have some fun. It's going to be a blast this year. Enjoy the game against UIndy. I can't wait to be back in Mackey Arena myself. And the next week on the show, we will have some thoughts ahead of Bellarmine and Indiana State to open up the long-awaited season.